0: I'm Jamie Bricker.
1: And I'm Carol Bricker. And you're listening to Bricker by Bricker, a podcast to support parents with building productive partnerships between home and school. Well, Carol, it's kind of hard
0: to believe that Bricker by Bricker is coming to a close. It has been a most enjoyable four years in many, many different respects, but this will be our final podcast together.
1: And when we look back, like, it's it's kind of where did four years go? But then when I think about kinda of how it all started and and uh you know when Stephen approached you about um your book that you had written and and inquiring about that and then asking if you would like to podcast and then somehow I got involved in the discussion of podcasting. I'm we're thinking, not quite sure how <laughs> I'm thinking, Whoa, <laughs> you know, this really was wasn't what I had planned but you know, it has been really a great four years. It's given us a lot to, to think about and to reflect on and, and to share with, with families with the hope that they really do have a better understanding of education and really can formulate those great partnerships with their child's school and their child's teacher.
0: Oh and no question and as you suggested carol i mean stephen hurley at voice ed uh and we'll acknowledge him at the end of today obviously but a huge thank you stephen for making all of this possible now in terms of today we're going to have a little different format obviously as we wrap things up and we decided to really kind of share some of our our favorite podcasts and favorite topics and themes and so on so for our listeners if you haven't had the opportunity to listen to one of these particular podcasts Maybe afterwards you'd like to go back and listen to
1: it in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it's it's a great time to kind of wrap up what I think we feel is really important for parents and, and, and how they can be supporting their kids. And so, well, you know, each of us have selected a couple of podcasts that uh, we want to look at. And the first one that I want to talk about is is our it was one of our very first podcasts on the power of play and when we look at it i mean the content and the material was really good maybe our presentation wasn't wasn't as fluid as i'm hoping that we are now but uh you know really the two that i've chosen are really essential for supporting that child development and so when we look at power of play I think we we always as parents need to remind ourselves that we are our child's first teacher. And the impact that our time and our listening and our interacting with our children is monumental in their learning. And I think it's
0: important to stress listening versus just hearing.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, We are
0: actively listening and from a very young age making it clear that you value what your child has to say. Yes, sir. Whether you agree or disagree. And mm-hmm. we found his parents, like, sometimes you totally disagree with them, but that, and that's totally fine, but it's got to be an active listening and really a two-way street when it comes to conversation. It can't just be the parent on top of the mountain saying, do this, do mm-hmm. this.
1: And really, when we look at play and the skills that children can develop, and we're not just talking infants and preschool children, you know, these Skill the skill development carries on through adolescence and even into adulthood, and uh, you know what we're doing with our children varies to bring out those skills. So when we look at play, you know it's great for teaching our kids problem solving and critical thinking and risk taking. you do not think too Carol, like to me
0: risk taking is kind of a it's intertwined very tightly with curiosity and curiosity is is the basis of of being a lifelong learner Mm -hmm. like recently we both chatted about some relatives of ours who lived well into their 90s and one thing that really kept them going was they were curious so we talk about lifelong learning it's it's a it's a wonderful phrase but it's so important to model it from the get-go with your own kids Mm
1: -hmm. and when you're talking about creativity and and I guess I kind of want to reinforce that when we're talking this play we're not talking purchasing all the latest high-tech or the expensive toys. So much can happen with a box left over from an appliance purchase or just with random stuff around the house that the kids bring together and really that just fosters that creativity and you know, we talked about this in the original podcast, but, you know, i always remember our kids when they were young and their friend coming over and them creating this game called Shifty, which involved various pieces of sports equipment from a variety of different sports. About 10 different sports. Is yeah. I and they had a fantastic time creating it and then... Uh, playing the game we never joined in because we hadn't a clue what the rules were but you know it was really such a valuable experience for them to kind of be thinking outside the boxing I talked about large boxes um, really has that impact and then when we look at uh, You know, another skill that's a lifelong skill, it's that cooperation piece that when kids are playing with others, you know, they develop, they need to develop that ability to cooperate and create together or build together or, you know, if it's a board game, you know, the turn-taking and all of that, and that is just so essential.
0: Well, no doubt about it, and in terms of that, the play piece, I think the balance between <clears throat> how much parental involvement there's going to be. And I think a lot of times parents, very well-intended parents, and we did this tons too, where you play a game with your kids and mm-hmm. you're actively involved and you're helping them with kind of understanding the quote standard rules, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And that's great, that's yeah. great. But there's other times like back to your shifty, where it's basically parents, please butt out and empower the kids and let them resolve, like to settle the rules. If there's any conflicts, obviously within reason, but Mm -hmm. with any conflicts, butt out, like let them settle it. And I think that's a real challenge in our modern world because obviously we have safety concerns. Obviously we're not sending our kids down to the neighborhood park for the afternoon unsupervised, but within reason, whether it's in your backyard or you know, kind of watching from a distance,
1: make sure your kids get those opportunities to be empowered to set a structure with other kids. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. And then kind of to piggyback on the cooperative play, there's also that competitive play. And that is as equally important because we do live in a competitive world. So we need to to learn as children how to win. Uh, graciously. Graciously. And, and how, know, how to lose, to lose with dignity. Pride, pride and dignity. Definitely. You know, it's
0: not na 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 I won. And it's how do we once again lose in a really lose and win in a really respectful manner, and kind of not have kind of a personal residue from the experience, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, move on and so on.
1: And then my la- my final kind of comment on on play is so often as parents you know we want we want our children to be successful not so often we do want our children to be successful and in doing that we're looking perhaps to enrichment programs or remedial programs to help foster our children's learning and i think we really need to think that as it's called the power of play how play can develop so many of these skills that are going to be beneficial to our kids in the long run and also that quality time that we're spending with our kids when we do engage in these activities can have as much or more of an impact as these expensive after-school programs and we
0: both know a far more impact yes than any after-school program and when you terms of in terms of how much involvement from the parents. Well, Carol, that leads into really my kind of uh, number one podcast memory that really jumps out at me is the whole idea of parental support. And to reiterate what you were just saying, uh, whether it's after school programs or frankly, in school programs, Mm -hmm. grade curriculum, I don't care what grade, what school, what jurisdiction, it's only a small part of learning. And we talked a lot about authentic learning. And I know we We had kind of the three Bs, the bake it, build it, and buy it. Preparing a meal with your child, all of the learning that can go into that. Maybe this summer your family's getting a new fence or working on building a deck or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm all of the learning in that, and then buy it. Like go like, go to the store, like think back in our kids going to no frills and all the discussions about quantity discounts and, and all that stuff.
1: Well, and even just the idea of a list and budgeting, and that sort of thing. But I was gonna carry it one step further with that authentic learning and we did do those uh, Two or three podcasts on travel and the virtual field trip, particularly That's during the point, pandemic when when we weren't able to get out and about, and the power of of you know the planning with that as well. And again, it's kind of building on what I was saying about play. It's that interaction, involvement with your kids in authentic, real learning uh, opportunities.
0: No question. Another example of talk. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk a lot about talk just because it's so important. And I know we've, we talked about, don't just parents fall into that kind of uh, generic kind of welcome to your child end of the day. How was your day? And then you get maybe good. And that's the yeah. extent of it. But rather get a little more specific. So what did you learn in math today or whatever the case may yeah. be? And then the whole issue of current events, and obviously, unfortunately, there's been some extremely tragic school-related current events very recently, Mm -hmm. and obviously, these things would be discussed in a very age-appropriate manner, and we leave that to the given household, obviously. But they do need to be addressed with older kids in particular. And then there's various kind of family matters, or what I guess I'd call friendship matters, and that doesn't mean you're prying into your teenager's social life, but just hopefully over time, you build that kind of connection and trust, and... If they want to talk, you're there to actively listen. Well, and I
1: was going to say, I think that's really, really crucial too when our kids are so involved in that social media piece. And from a young age, teaching them what is appropriate to share and not share and how to share. You know, those are all really great conversations to have and kind of can tie into those friendship matters. You know, if you are having a disagreement with a friend, how do you resolve it? Or how do you compliment a friend or, you know, whatever the case may be, so that when they are teenagers and and more independent in their social media and, and what they're putting out there, they have that strong foundation to Well, I'm glad you mentioned the on. impact
0: of social media because you're not agree To me, that just reinforces the importance of a fact versus an opinion. Mm-hmm. And I know we talked about in our series that even for so-called facts, unfortunately, we live in a world that's been camp- contaminated by the term fake news. Yeah. So therefore, in terms of facts
1: encourage both yourself and your kids to really seek out multiple sources Yeah, well it's that whole critical thinking piece which is an essential skill exactly another
0: I I think really a a different uh, kind of subtopic but very important is as a parent never forget parenting is not about perfection it's not about, you know, kind of exaggerating your past accomplishments to kind of win your, your kids' praise or whatever. Yes. And you just see that so so many times. where anyway, I just think it's, 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 it's really, in fact, far more productive to freely share your own setbacks and your vulnerabilities with your kids, obviously at an age-appropriate yeah, level once again. Say, yeah. But how you overcame them, things like not making that, you didn't make the soccer team or you didn't make this team, and, and how that felt and how you overcame that, or struggling in a subject. Maybe science really wasn't your bag in school, but how you yeah. work through that. And all the way back, to, and I, I kind of alluded to this earlier, things like you're upset because you just argued with your best friend. Mm-hmm. And you're coming home teary-eyed. Yep. And, and, and I think, would you not agree, Carol, a lot of these things ultimately are all about teaching your child about empathy. Yes. And that is, I always think that's the hardest, hardest really kind of social skill to really to teach or to understand. understand yes. Even understand. Oh, okay. You know, sympathy, it's sympathy not out is there. one thing, but empathy is much more yes. challenging.
1: It's not out there where, uh, you know, it's visible and, and you can see it.
0: Oh, so true. And I mean, as we're, as we're wrapping up uh, this discussion, this podcast about the impact of parenting, we'd be remiss without briefly reviewing the, the major parenting styles, mm-hmm. you know, from the helicopter parent who's always hovering, and they're frankly just too involved in school life, like period. Yeah the snowplow parent who wants to clear all obstacles from their child's path. In reality, learning to work through conflicts are, is an important life skill.
1: Mm-hmm. And oh, obviously, definitely.
0: if it's bullying or something significant, then obviously we need you directly involved parent. But for an awful lot of things, Oops. you're doing your kid no favor plowing out their path. Yep. And then of course, the third category would be the absentee parent who simply is not involved enough. And in closing, uh, Carol, A big part of parental support, in my view, is, and I know in our view, is because we've lived through it as parents ourselves, is to really try to know when to get involved and when to back away. Mm -hmm. And there's no one ever has all the right answers, but it's really trying to be aware of that balance. Balance.
1: That's so important. Now, you spent a lot of time with one of your favorite podcast topics, and a lot of that revolved around talking. So it's kind of interesting that my next choice was the one that, two, it ended up being two podcasts that we did on that oral language development. Well, as you know,
0: Carol, I've always liked talking.
1: (laughs) Oh, definitely. It's always been a
0: Active listening is my challenge. Yes,
1: well, when you were talking about active listening earlier, I was going to say something, but I thought, no. But I really enjoyed this podcast for a variety of reasons. Not only uh, did we have the opportunity to have Amanda Frumpkin, who uh, was or is, I guess I should say, a speech and language pathologist that I had worked with a lot in, in the past. Um, and she just brought so many helpful tips to parents about oral language development. And when we look at oral language and our children's development of that, this, it's such a foundational skill, because really, it's what then we build our, our reading and our writing skills upon. We have to be able to express ourselves orally before we can be able to read and to write. And so I think that's one reason why it was a, a another important podcast for me. But I also uh, just recently, uh, my one niece has a young child, and she was concerned about her expressive language, her ability to make requests for things or to, you know, respond to anything she was saying. And so she came to me and, you know, was there anything I could suggest. And I said, well, interesting enough, we have a a podcast on oral language development. Uh, you know, I'd suggest you go and listen to it. And she did, and she, she was just really appreciative of the information that came out of that podcast.
0: Well, Carol, another kind of offshoot of this whole oral language piece with young kids, uh, I know you and I experienced as, as parents ourselves, let alone as teachers, but I think it is so important to, yes, we wanna use age appropriate language, et cetera, but just in kind of Uh tone, we're never talking down to kids. We don't have that patronizing kind of undercurrent to our tone. And also, as you know, like like I guess a, a huge focus for me, unfortunately for you too as a parent, was we use proper language. Yeah. When you're two years old, it's called a dishwasher. And when you're twenty two years yeah. old, surprise, surprise, it's still called a dishwasher. dishwasher. You know, rather than making up these kind of cutesy little terms. Mm-hmm. That's doing your child no favors.
1: Oh, definitely. And one thing that I really felt came out of Amanda's message was what we should be doing. At the different developmental levels with our children, in order to um, facilitate their development, and again, it came down to talking with your child. So, and and that's even where you know the big focus is really on when our children are infants. That we're singing, we're labeling, we're talking to them as we're going through those those processes, whether it's change time or bath time, um, and also making sure that when our children our infants begin begin to make those utterances that uh you know we're responding to those and and she even well, once again you're validating
0: to, that those are like that you're validating those Would you Well, say, and it's, the and, but
1: it's also teaching not only validating but it's but teaching modeling. teaching them that back and forth yeah. in conversation which is that the essence com- of language and yes, communication yes yeah, good point and And one of the pieces that came out, well, two things that I I want to to mention here that I thought were really important was uh, the importance of talking to your child even when they're in utero. That, you know, there there have been studies that children or that...
0: fetuses
1: can can recognize a parent's voice, can recognize you know the different fluctuations in sound and that sort of thing and they actually begin to respond to those sounds that they're hearing. The other thing that I thought was really important was her comment about having an annual hearing test uh, when your children are very young, like you know starting around the one, one and a half years of age and because if your child isn't hearing properly that's certainly going to affect their oral language development but then as we move through the the years uh, and looking at you know our preschool children and you talked about shopping with the kids and how you know it's building out that authentic learning, but it's also such a big part of that oral language because we can be labeling things in the store. You know, we can be asking for kids' preferences on things or...
0: You know, in terms of the reading, if I'm sorry to interject, but in terms of the reading with your kids, we've also talked many, many times about the huge social benefits. But also I think that once again, at an age appropriate level, it's a great opportunity to really start to get into inferencing and predictions and, and asking your child kind of, you know, you know mm-hmm. what's next and, that, and then I think also too even for even for young kids um, and then we learned ourselves very young kids like the hows and the whys mm-hmm. it isn't just strictly yes. the lower level questions yeah. but the hows and mm-hmm. the whys and, and, and then of course how they kind of defend their position or yeah. their prediction yeah. great learning great learning
1: and then as we kind of continue that oral language into the teenage years, yes, you know, they have the foundations of oral language, but it's extending that into those discussions about current events and, and media and things like that to really build on those critical thinking skills as opposed to just the language skills. Oh, natural
0: extension, you're right. And they're really, really kind of, once again, authentic applications. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Well, Carol, my uh, final kind of uh, reflection of a given podcast and the last one we'll be discussing today... to be honest, it doesn't relate to any one podcast, but rather I think it's kind of a, a culmination of the of 75 podcasts in total, really, because all of them ultimately have referred to the homeschool partnership.
1: Well, there certainly were a lot of common themes throughout a lot of our podcasts when it came to the critical thinking, the you know the collaboration, the cooperation. The, so certainly, collaboration is a key well, key that, skills. Thank you for not taking for not stealing my my oh, intro. Oh,
0: sorry. <laughs> But you are so right. Uh, collaboration is really what we're going to focus on right now as we wrap things up. Can't stress enough. Everyone is on the same team. And all teachers and all administrators and any all educational assistants, anyone else working with your child, they want your child, above and beyond all else, to have an enjoyable and rewarding school year. There's absolutely never any question of, about that. Now, along the journey, and we've been there as educators and for many years, we've been there as parents. There are going to be some passionate disagreements. Cause let's face it, Carol, there's no more emotional topic than oh, your child.
1: Than was. your child. And and you know, as as a teacher, we all you know, you always had to remind yourself when a parent maybe became a little more impassioned about thing about something or a topic or discussion that they're there because of the best interest of their child. They're not there to criticize you. They just want success for their child.
0: Absolutely. And sometimes, uh, you know, as you say, that passion can manifest itself in in a variety of ways. But once again, we have to be empathetic. We have to be compassionate as educators and really understand that. But on the other hand, parents, please always keep in mind that once again, They aren't your opposition or your competition. They are your teammates, and also for all parties involved in in your child's education, always remember that all comments, all actions, and all body language—they need to be guided by what I would call rational concerns rather than by emotional outbursts. Mm -hmm. Because
1: you know, well, the the message that uh, gets presented through body language can really have a profound impact on on the conversation. And I remember a time sitting with a parent and, you know, it was a difficult conversation because their child was struggling and trying to share the results of an assessment that I'd done and the parent had a tie on her her sweater or jacket and it was just flipping constantly through this our conversation i'm thinking oh this isn't going well and it was more a fact uh, she confessed afterwards you know that and she apologized but she had uh, adhd and this was her way to help her focus on what we were doing great strategy (laughs) but you know your body language can be misinterpreted and so being careful of that piece.
0: No, absolutely because all of this, both what you say, what you do and what your body projects, mm-hmm. it all kind of combines to what to kind of the the tone of the interaction. And respectful interactions, uh two-way street of course, but they ultimately build trust and trust, boy, we can't stress that enough. Mm-hmm. That is the foundation of a really productive homeschool partnership. Yes. And I think once again that trust is very mutual.
1: So as we look back over the, you know, the last four years, it was a lot of fun kind of reflecting on the different podcasts that we've done. And we certainly have had some interesting topics um, over, the, over the course of our course. And some excellent four- guests. Mm-hmm. Yes, and some excellent guests. So we really hope that you know, parents have found it beneficial as they support their child's learning and their whole school experience.
0: And we would like to very much thank Voice Ed Radio under the passionate leadership of Stephen Hurley for taking a chance on us four years ago and really providing us with this this wonderful opportunity. And another big thank you to all of you for joining us month after month and really sharing this journey with us for the past four years. As always, and for the final time, If you have any questions or comments, we'd love you to email us at brickerbybricker at gmail.com or contact us through our website at brickerbybricker.com.
1: And we encourage our listeners to share our podcast with other families they think might be interested. And a reminder to follow us on Voice Ed Radio or any of our other platforms, such as iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcast.
0: And it has been a true pleasure connecting with you on Bricker.
1: Bye, Bricker.